listening to the Weekly Discourse on the Man of God Network, featuring a weekly lecture from the classroom of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. dear friend of mine and supporter long time of the seminary are my dear friend Bill Barron. He shares with me and the seminary a deep concern for some of the more practical aspects of the ministry. We share the conviction that a pastor's finances and financial stewardship are vital and foundational aspects of his ministry, which may either terribly undermine or wonderfully support his usefulness in the Christian ministry. Bill, thank you for being with us here today. It's my pleasure. Now, as we get started, I thought it'd be good to introduce uh, you to our students and others who may uh, look at this at one time or another. And so let me just ask you a few questions about yourself. I want you to tell us about your background. How and when did you become a Christian? What's your vocation? How have you formally served the churches you've been part of? Well, I'm humbled to be here, first of all, Dr. Waldron. And uh, I'll start out by saying I'm six generations of the Barron family here in Owensboro, Kentucky. Mm. Um, I'm one of four children born to Frankie and Jared Barron, my parents. And my father was a home builder here in Owensboro. And I joined his company after returning from college mm. and uh, the Army Reserve training. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been married to Joe Barron for 47 years, and we have six children and 12 grandchildren. You got me by two years yeah. on that issue. There you go. Sarah and I have been married for 45. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, I'm in the real estate and banking business. I was saved at age 36, mm. and uh, my whole life changed at that time. Mm. My focus changed from money and asset building through leverage and the world's way, to reading the Bible from cover to cover mm. to see what the Lord said about what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I learned that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Mm -hmm. I learned that pride goes before a fall and that God hates the proud and gives grace to the humble. Yeah. I learned uh, that I was a very prideful man who loved money and power. So at age 36, I proposed to get my family out of debt, mm -hmm. and it took 10 years. Mm. Uh, I tried to balance my life as God would have me do, and I quit working seven days a week, which right. I was doing at the time, right. and spent more time with my growing family. Mm -hmm. um, I disconnected the TV in mm. our household mm -hmm. for 10 years. Mm. and studied the Bible about stewardship of this life that God had given me. Mm -hmm. uh, today, I'm 71 years old. Uh, I'm selling our real estate company to our oldest son, Bo. Mm -hmm. uh, over the years, I've participated in many biblical studies on uh, godly stewardship. Mm -hmm. And that's the short answer to your questions. Yeah, I'm sure, really. I'm sure it's much abbreviated, brother. Um, please share in a few words the burden 
you have with regard to a pastor's financial stewardship? Just in a few words, kind of a summary. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I think financial stewardship is really uh, a, something that every single person mm. uh, has to look to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and over my experience being in the real estate business, I've rented houses mm-hmm. to many people over the years, mm-hmm. and I've rented to a number of pastors. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, always been interesting to me as to uh, how each pastor uh, handled their household, because I got to see it in to some extent. Mm-hmm. From time to time, I'd go into the house that maybe they've rented. Yeah. Time to time, see how well they, uh, you know, paid their rent and so forth, and situations that yeah. they either got they were in and and so forth. So, I know that it's important for uh, us as Christians, not just pastors, but mm-hmm. us as Christians, is to. Uh, be good stewards and may have a good example to the people that we do business with. It's a matter of our testimony and, and, and ornamenting Integrity. the gospel that That's we, exactly that we right. love and believe, right? That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, in some circles, that it appears that aspiring pastors or even current pastors uh, don't think that they need to be very concerned with finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, things you might hear like, That's the deacon's job. Uh, so should a pastor care about financial matters? Uh, I think absolutely a pastor should care about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, they need to start at home, as mm-hmm. we all do, with our own uh, financial stewardship. But uh, they definitely should be interested in it mm-hmm. in their church because uh, they're the leader of the church, yeah. correct? And But I also say that hopefully that there's people in the church that can help in that regard, yeah, right? Right. Because uh, it can take a lot of time mm-hmm. to pay the bills and see that what's coming in and, mm-hmm. and make decisions like that. And mm-hmm. if they have the help of deacons or other elders that mm-hmm. specialize in that field, yeah. like somebody like me yeah. uh, that might be in their congregation that could uh, help with them on the finances. Because uh, I think you would agree that the main... Uh, pastoral duties mm. is to take care of the and shepherd the flock, right. okay? And not necessarily shepherd the money. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. so any help he can get out of his congregation, uh, expert help, I think that would be the best. Yeah. Yeah, though the elders need to give general leadership to the church on all of Correct. these things, they need to take real advantage of the particular gifts of some people who, you know, their jobs, their livelihoods are all concerned about making good decisions with regard to these kind of things. Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> this next question is interesting to me because it, it really uh, relates to some of the core values that we have as a seminary. Um, and uh, I think we should talk about it a little bit. Why is it important for pastors to give attention to good financial stewardship principles as they enter the ministry? I have my own thoughts about that, but I'd like to hear yours. And I guess the emphasis here is this on, on the fact that as they enter the ministry. Right. Well, good financial stewardship is uh, parallel to being a good steward of your own body. Right. You know, you want to eat right, stay in mm-hmm. shape, uh, 
and do the things that's going to make you healthy, mm -hmm. right? And financially, I think it's exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. And as a pastor, you want to be above reproach. Mm -hmm. I mean, Scripture calls uh, pastors to be above reproach. Yeah. Uh, and so in every aspect of their life, mm -hmm. if they can be good stewards, yeah. then it's, it's a testament mm -hmm. to the Lord. Uh, through them yeah. and stewardship, financial stewardship, mm -hmm. certainly uh, that way. Mm -hmm. Now, as a pastor goes into the uh, uh, his calling in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of students come out of college with debt, mm -hmm. right? A lot of debt, and uh, so that can be something that's very tough for the uh, financial budgets yeah. of young pastors. Yeah, right, and uh, that's. Uh, something that I would recommend that they focus on right away to see mm -hmm. if they can unload or get rid of that debt by paying it off right. as right. quickly as possible. Yeah, you know, um, if um, I think the college debt is always a bad idea, but if someone comes out of college with uh, a professional vocation that they can expect to make really good money from the very beginning, mm -hmm. uh, Maybe a little bit of college debt isn't that isn't that bad. Um, my daughter came out with a BSN in nursing, and she wasn't married, and she paid off all her debts in the first year. Mm -hmm. um, and and yet, it's not the same thing for pastors, is it? Because um, you know, the pastoral ministry isn't one that you enter for the sake of money, nor is it one that you can really expect to make a lot of money in, right? I understand that's the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, and this really relates to some of our core values as a seminary, you know. I was telling our congregation again Sunday evening that we have a commitment as a seminary not to own brick and mortar uh, because uh, we have a commitment to our students to keep our fees as low as we can. Mm -hmm. And so we're dependent upon our host church for the supply of the basic brick and mortar that we use for our offices and classrooms. Um, and, uh, and that just uh, speaks to how important we think it is not to saddle uh, potential pastors with a load of debt that they have no expectation that they're going to be able to pay off. And boy, a lot of traditional seminaries, what you have to pay for a Master of Divinity is, is going to saddle most people with a lot of debt. That's right. I couldn't agree more with uh, uh, being completely debt averse. Even mm -hmm. with my own children, I told them early on mm -hmm. that, uh, that, first of all, uh, their mother and I were not going to pay for their college education. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that's different than most people, right? right. Mm -hmm. But I, I wanted to, to help teach them early on to save for it and to mm -hmm. work for it, okay? Right. And to, to, for uh, young people to think, okay, these next four years out of college, mm -hmm. I mean, out of high school, right. they're my college years. Right. I mean, many people work and go to college and pay for it. Right, okay? absolutely. And that's uh, what would be my recommendation almost in every respect. Right. Is... Uh, Absolutely. Do it as you go. Um, yeah, uh, the next question that takes me back down memory lane, what are some financial stewardship principles that you think are important for pastors to give attention to? I was just thinking about the issue of debt, you know, uh, and I'll just share a little of my own testimony here, and then I'd like you to respond to this as well. Um, 
I was 50, and I felt the Lord calling me to go back to school. I had two kids in college and, uh, you know, a household to support. One of the things that made that even thinkable for me is I had no debt. And we'd, we'd lived by that principle for a while. We got ourselves out of debt, except for the mortgage on our house. And uh, that's what made it possible for me to kind of... Uh, not change, not completely change directions, but certainly prepare myself for a new phase of ministry when I was 50 with two kids in college. And so this whole issue of debt is really important, isn't it? It's very important. And most people don't realize what an amortization schedule is, which yeah. is, uh, you know, when you take out a debt and the payments and how much of it goes to interest, how much to principal and how much the principal redu reduces. Yeah. And if they understood that almost all the first payments uh, are almost all interest yeah. and very little principal. Yeah. And uh, that's called the Elwood table. Nobody would know that, but, but uh, <laughs> a nerd, but, uh, a nerd like, like, like you. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and, and that is, uh, that's the opposite from compounding. Yeah. And uh, when you save money and you uh, earn interest, it compounds. And uh, so if you can be on the saving side and not on the yeah. amortization side, it's very important. Yeah. But uh, it's, it's very, very important to yeah. watch out for that debt. And really, when you talk about debt, it's usually a decision as, okay, am I going to borrow money yeah. and do this now? Or am I going to work and earn the money and right. save it? and do it over a period of time. Yeah. And uh, I would say almost in every situation that working and saving is, is the Lord's way. Yeah. And in Scripture, I don't see anywhere in Scripture where it puts a positive light on borrowing money. Mm. It says the borrower becomes slave to the lender. Mm. And uh, there's a few other Scriptures that you probably can name right now, and I can't because I'm uh, nervous here, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, what strikes me about this bill, and I, you can bounce back off of this, is I've noticed in Scripture that there's a parallel between spiritual principles and financial principles. Mm -hmm. Good spiritual principles and good financial principles have certain parallels. One of those parallels is deferred gratification. Uh, the Christian lives the Christian life in hope of the resurrection. He lives, he, he lives and sacrifices and denies himself now because I, on the principle of deferred gratification, what you were just talking about is, is a kind of a financial principle of deferred gratification. Uh, work for it, save for it, uh, don't buy it until you can pay for it, right? right? And you and I know that many times by the time you get the money saved up, you say, you know, this is not really something I wanted to buy anyway. Right? <laughs> I think you'd rather keep this money in the bank right. or, <laughs> or yeah, something else. Or do right? something else. And I would say this is a, a, a financial stewardship Bible. Oh, okay? interesting, yeah. And uh, in this Bible, there's, it's marked every one of the scriptures yeah. that have to do with money. Huh. Yeah. Or stewardship. Yeah. Okay. And there's over 2,000 of them. Oh, I believe it. Over 2,000. So that gives you an idea of what the Lord thinks about stewardship, of yeah. course. Yeah. And uh, this is this was put together by Howard Dayton, uh -huh. which is uh, uh, the founder of Compass Ministries. Yeah. And, uh, and, did, and just uh, for our listeners, we hope to have Howard Dayton on and do one of these interviews with him about 
his financial uh, stewardship uh, or whatever I have to call it, ministry, I guess. That's exactly right. He's dedicated his old adult, adult life to it. Yeah. And uh, he's an he's outstanding <clears throat> servant of the Lord. Amen. I, I, I remember, uh, I don't know that I ever finished the series because it's about the time I was thinking of moving here to Kentucky and going back to school. Mm -hmm. But I was doing a, a whole sermon series, I think I got the 19 or 20, and I wasn't nearly done, on the whole issue of wealth in the book of Proverbs. Uh, so many principles, so much it has to say. So you tell me there are 2,000 scriptures in the Bible about it, I well believe it. I believe it. A lot of them are in the book of Proverbs, right? No, yeah, most of them are. <laughs> yeah, really. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, you already kind of answered this, but could you give some principles for how pastors and Future pastors should think about debt. Uh, I would be absolutely <laughs> recommend to them that they be debt averse. Yeah. Okay. Because you know, p pastors are are watched by their congregation, mm -hmm. and as you and I know, mm -hmm. that going into debt makes assumptions mm -hmm. on the future, right. which may or may not come true. Right. right? And especially on uh, uh, credit card debt and those yeah. those kind of consumer debt that has high interest rates. Yes, uh, I, I highly recommend that if if a credit card is owned by a pastor mm -hmm. and they can't pay that that uh, monthly uh, charge off every month, as right. soon as they get to a point that they make a payment and not a payoff, right, they should get rid of the card. Yeah, and I not just the pastors. Right, everybody. I say that to everyone because. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a scheme of the enemy, if you ask me. <laughs> I remember it was just about the time we actually moved to Owensboro that we we were doing we were paying off our credit card every month, but uh, I don't know if Dave Ramsey got in my ear or somebody else. But I finally thought I don't enjoy paying this credit card bill every month, and so I said uh, to my wife, "We're getting rid of our credit cards." Now that can cause a few hiccups here and there, not to have a credit card to get a rental car or something, but mm -hmm. we've always worked through it. Mm -hmm. And and so we stopped uh, even carrying that, paying that credit card off on a monthly basis. And boy, that was freeing, really freeing, and uh, has made life a lot nicer without that credit card bill staring your face every month, right? That's exactly right. And of course, now <laughs> they have Apple Pay and those those type of things that are directly uh, attached to your checking account. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Or they have debit cards, the debit which is, cards, yep. is attached to your yeah. uh, checking account. So once the money's gone, the, cre the debit card doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you have a line of credit yeah. to it. And, uh, yeah, which is maybe not a good idea that, either, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, next question is related to this. Should pastors have a personal budget? How should they get started? Uh, yes, and I mean absolutely yes. Mm -hmm. I, I think everybody should have a personal budget, mm -hmm. and uh, and I've certainly used a, a budget over the years. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's more strict than others, right? But uh, we try to stay within a budget and. Uh, what was the second part of that question? Yeah. How, how can they get started? Uh, you have a bunch of books sitting I up do. there. You might I just have, a, to have, have a, a book books. about that. I sure do. <laughs> I've got uh, several books here and uh, that uh, have to do with that. And one is uh, Your Money Counts. 
Uh-huh. And that's written by Howard Dayton. In fact, all these books are written by Howard Dayton and the ministry, uh, Compass Ministries. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, Howard first started with uh, Larry Burkett. Uh-huh. You might remember him. Yeah, yeah. And, what was uh, the name of that ministry, Larry Burkett's ministry? Uh, was. Uh, I, don't I can't, I can't right bring now. it back myself. But he and Howard actually... Crown Ministry. Crown Ministry. Yeah. He and Howard actually founded that ministry. Oh, is that right? That's exactly right. And uh, so these books come from uh, the uh, Howard's study over the years. And this one's called Your Money Map. Oh, okay. It has a budget in there. And uh, and, and so does all these books mm-hmm. uh, teach you how to budget. Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, I uh, we have budgeted. Uh, one of the things I do every month is spend all the money first. Uh, you know, I, I, I know where all my bills are going every month, and I do that right at the first of the month. Uh, I wish I had been more strict over the years, but even that simple strategy, God is blessed to Absolutely. help us to have a good idea of where our money is and where it's going and how not to spend too much that much. That's that ex- month, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And can you imagine, I mean, you as a father, if you gave your children an allowance, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and they budgeted it, and yeah. they were very careful yeah. to, to watch every penny of it, know where it went, make mm-hmm. good decisions on it, yeah. would that please you? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine how yeah. pleased God is mm-hmm. when, when we steward his assets? And, of course, when you get down to stewardship, yeah. that's a however much time he allows me on this earth right or money mm-hmm. or relationships that I have mm-hmm. uh, membership in the church I steward that what yeah how I, how good a churchman I am and yeah. so forth and that's what we have to remember it is stewardship what we have is nearly not our own it's God's and we have a responsibility to care for it in a way that is careful. Yes, God is kind. He's not an Egyptian taskmaster. I think some people sometimes go in that direction and they they become paralyzed by a picture of God here that isn't just. But God certainly allows us to spend money for uh, the money he's given us for, for comforts and so sure. forth, as well as necessities. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's his money, and we have to be careful with it. Right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, well, this is a this is a question I've actually been thinking about recently. In fact, I've been thinking about it for many years, Bill, and uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts about it. So I don't know that it's at least I don't think it has a simple, easy answer. But how should pastors be involved in setting a church budget? I guess I was also thinking about the whole uh, difficult issue of. Uh, the pastoral compensation part of that budget, too. Mm-hmm. What are your views of that? Well, uh, we've sat on that committee together. <laughs> yes, we did sit on that committee together, yeah, didn't we? We did. <laughs> and uh, if if I was a pastor, mm-hmm. I would want uh, to have men or people that I trusted mm-hmm. that were um, uh, had good financial acumen, mm-hmm. uh, to be on a committee. Yeah. I, as a pastor, I wouldn't want to set my own salary. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, I think, good governance yeah. to, uh, and to be above reproach mm-hmm. as, a, as a pastor to have other people set that salary. Mm-hmm. However, you know, when you come to a church, well, you should know what the salary is going to yeah. be, what the range is, what you can yeah. expect. Yeah. And good governance 
would mean that we would say uh, to a pastor coming in, this is our salary range, mm-hmm. uh, agree upon where the salary is. Mm-hmm. And then also that committee would maybe do a study or get information on churches this size, mm-hmm. maybe in this denomination, mm-hmm. what the pastors can expect to get paid mm-hmm. uh, uh across the country right so that uh it's done but of course the other thing that's important is if you live in new york it's going to be a lot more if you live in orangeburg kentucky it'll be adjusted yeah and uh but it's uh scripture also says that we're to pay our pastors well yeah and uh that's very important and that's a a scripture that that committee kind of should have up on the wall i think yeah, this has been one of the things that has puzzled me over the years because I am committed to the whole concept of elder leadership in the church. At the si- same time, I, I think that what you're saying is absolutely true. It, uh, it doesn't bear uh, the test of good perspective for pastors to be setting their own salary. No matter what they do, they, they may set it too low or they may set it too high, but self-interest is just too powerful a motive not to be checked in some way mm-hmm. by having outside input and, and an above-board way of doing that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, and, um, well, lots of important things can be said about that, can it? Uh, but it's been one of those things that I've been trying to think about over the years. But it's important for a committee like that to have biblical input, isn't it? It is uh, one of the one of the th- the three major passages in the New Testament that talk about the whole issue of paying gospel workers, paying gospel ministers. All of them emphasize the generosity with which that ought to be looked at. And of course, there's something less than generosity in a lot of, especially Baptist churches in our day. I'm not going to speak for other denominations. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, there's so many pitfalls with regard to that. Well, let's let's move on then. And, and there's probably a, uh, an element of stewardship there too, because uh, you know if you see a pastor who's a very good steward, yeah, right, uh, of the church's finances and their own finances, uh, you know that's that's a blessing to the congregation, a blessing to the congregation, and and of course anybody that's a good steward, you want to. You want to pay them better. Yeah. You want to, because uh, uh, you know that they're going to take their pay yeah. and and do well with it in such a way. And and like you, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Uh, in a church, you are a good steward, and and if the church pays you well, you're going to take that and honor the Lord with it. Right. And you know. I'm sure tithe back to your own church, but then also offerings and, mm. and things that you're going to do yeah. to help the cause of yeah. Jesus Christ yeah. spread the gospel across the world. Yeah, there's a principle here, isn't there? I'm sure you've thought about this uh, uh, because I, I know you're engaged in a lot of benevolence, but uh, not being certain of how gifts that you might give someone will be used wisely is a real hindrance to giving that gift, isn't it? It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think of situations in my own life that are that way. And you, you, just, you just feel like uh, what it makes me do is pray that the person that you'd like to help 
will become, God will give them more practical wisdom, right? Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, uh, but, if, but if you see somebody that is a good steward, you, you feel uh, much more free about giving them uh, the gift that you'd like to give, that your heart would like to give them. Right. right? And just an example you made earlier about um, the seminary here uh, using the technology mm-hmm. and not going to bricks and mortar. Right. So I'm going to tell you right there, that's in my mind, it goes click, click, click. Yeah. That, I think mm-hmm. that is good stewardship. Right. Because quite frankly, across the country, mm-hmm. the, all this brick and mortar that's in colleges, mm-hmm. it's, it's such a burden. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, it'll literally shut some colleges down if you if you ask me, especially after this COVID. Oh, you never know. You never know what's coming. We know that now, right? Yeah, I sure do, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> A new example. Uh, yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> I, it's kind of funny, but sometimes we have students call us. Can we come see your campus? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I always kind of shudder, cringe when somebody, somebody says that. But I've, got, I've kind of gotten over it because the very reason that God has given us growth and given us the ability to minister to people at the level we are is because we don't have this gorgeous campus. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to criticize other people that do or have inherited that kind of thing, but I'm just saying it is a matter of stewardship, and it certainly increases the cost of doing business as a seminary. That's right. Yeah. And I think of so many colleges that have started out as Christian colleges, mm-hmm. and money that has come into those colleges has become a curse, not a blessing. Yeah. Okay? Changed their whole direction. No longer mm-hmm. do they look to the scriptures or yeah. are they Christian colleges. And, and uh and it's been my pleasure over the years, my wife and I, Joe's, mm-hmm. to be able to keep some of the students that come in every yeah. so often right. to get yeah. face-to-face uh, yeah. learning here. And, and well, we haven't uh, done that in a while. Maybe you'll have to do that again. Yeah, we'll do that again. You're ready I to like do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, oh, look, well, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna turn the page here just a little bit um, and t- talk about retirement. Uh, so, um, here's a couple of questions that um, I'd like to hear your answer to. Should future pastors think about retirement? In what sense should a pastor consider retiring, do you think? Well, you know, uh, I think pastor or real estate <laughs> person or uh, anybody who works in any field is... Uh, uh, the retirement part of it. The fact is, as we get older, mm-hmm. we're, uh, our capability is going to reduce, yeah. right? Yeah. So in, in you can talk about, when we talk about retirement, I know that what people think about is, okay, age 65, you quit working. Okay? Right. And I think in the, in at least in my world, or in my way of thinking, and, it, and I would think probably most in the Christian way of thinking mm-hmm. that we don't think of it that way. No. In fact, we may do start doing things differently. Mm-hmm. Like, like for me at this point, you know, I'm selling my business to my, our mm-hmm. son. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we'll, we'll start doing, continue to do things we've so done. So what are you going to do? Move to Florida and play shuffleboard? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> no. <laughs> you have a vision for your life still? Well, I do. And of course, I got 12 grandkids, so I yeah. got uh, plenty to do in yeah. that regard. Yeah, yeah. To, to hopefully uh, 
be a good example for them. But uh -huh. uh, you know, these studies right here. Yeah. We we do these studies. Yeah. My wife and I we. Uh, do these for uh, people. We, we'll get four or five couples, mm -hmm. and we'll do a study, and and that's kind of my thing. Okay, yeah, I think yeah. the Lord is is giving me some insight in mm -hmm. that regard. Yeah, and uh, through Howard Dayton and others mm -hmm. like uh, Larry Briquette and and uh, uh, and others, yeah. Ron Blue, that uh, they've given us material that I can help. Yeah, uh, people in the church. Amen. Uh, be good stewards. So mm -hmm. I think we'll find plenty to do. But as far as retirement, you you say. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you tell me. I mean, you and I are about the same age. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm 69. I'm 70 next summer. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. Let me just say a little bit. You know, I don't. In one sense, I really don't want to retire. I enjoy what God has called me to do, and as long as I can do it effectively, I want to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Now, the other side of that is, however, and and you know this, and so do I. We simply can't can't work as hard as we always did, uh, <clears throat> and uh, can't bull through those afternoons without a nap anymore, and still make any sense when you're writing a, a sermon or a lecture. Like mm -hmm. that's my life, you know, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, uh, that means I may need that afternoon nap, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm going to be effective and and so forth. Um, but yeah, I really don't want to retire in that sense. But the other part of this is, you get a little older, you're you're a caregiver, right? Sometimes mm -hmm. we have our dad, my dad, living with us, mm -hmm. uh, and like you said, then you begin to have these grandchildren that are scattered all over the place, and you have, you just have a sense of stewardship and and love for, and you want to help them and help your children. And so my wife just stepped back from uh, a job she loved at Heritage Christian School, you know. And, and she loved the job, and the kids loved her. Uh, that's right. And that's not an exaggeration at all. But but what she's been doing is giving a lot more time this last year to our, to our grandchildren, and she loves it. It's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful for her. So, yeah, when I think of retirement, I certainly don't... I, I, I'm not. I think I wouldn't want to be condemned to go to Florida and live in the villages. And I'm not condemning everybody who does that, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. uh, that that's too sweeping a statement. But I can I can see a picture. Yeah. If you're down there, yeah. you're going to be mentoring people, and you're going to be preaching the gospel. Yeah. You're going to be doing it wherever you are. Right. And uh, that's that's what I'm saying. I I yeah. see myself still doing things yeah. and to help steward. The assets the Lord's given yeah. us, and when yeah. I say assets, are, are the congregation yeah. or the people that He puts yeah. us in front of. Yeah, and uh, maybe we can be mentors and mm -hmm. do the best we can. My dad lived to be ninety-five. Yeah, and uh, and he uh, he did things business-wise until he was probably in his late eighties, but not right? near as much. You yeah. know, he, he he did some things, but uh, uh, so. You know, who knows if if I live to be ninety five, that's twenty five years. I know. That's you know, something. and I know one thing: the Lord would not have us do. Right. And that's waste our time. Amen. Amen. Exactly. So you know, so yeah, I, I yeah, you you get older, you realize you can't work as hard anymore, and that's not a matter of being lazy. It's just a matter of 
what what your life is like, what your body is like by then. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, spending your life in recreation. Why don't I? Why don't? What? Why would God keep me here just to you know indulge myself? What's the point of that? Not to serve Him, you know. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, let's see. Um, uh, well, so having admitted that there is a, a place for a kind of retirement anyway, how can pastors re- prepare for retirement? What should mm-hmm. they do? Well, uh, I think they ought to have a four hundred one k or. A simple IRA or Roth IRA, mm-hmm. uh, and do those things. Mm-hmm. Now, I've worked in a field where my retirement account mm-hmm. or anything I want to set aside for a tire- retirement, uh, it was up to me. Right? Sure, yeah. My company didn't do it because I was self-employed. Right, right. And it, it can be a lot that same way with mm-hmm. a pastor. Mm-hmm. But of course, uh, a church can have a retirement account or mm-hmm. uh, plans for their. For their pastors, and I think that's a good thing to do mm-hmm. because uh, there'll come a time when we can't work like we have, mm-hmm. right? Just right. the fiscal part of it. Yeah. So uh, it's going to be uh, a time when we need those resources, and mm-hmm. it's good to plan for them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the earlier you start planning, the easier it is to do. In one sense, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've. Uh, I've reached that age. Well, when you're 70, you have to start taking whatever some money. At least that's been the rule till 72. recently. 72, 72 now, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you have to take some money out of it. Yep. Uh, but uh, uh, I look back, you know, and I've been saving. I've been saving for retirement for 40 years now. But uh, it hasn't been horrendous to do that. But like you say, there's the so-called miracle of compound interest and, right. you know. And in this book, it has a, a chart uh, of compounding, mm-hmm. and it also has a chart of amortization, you know, how much interest you pay if you yeah. get. But uh, the chart on, on compounding mm-hmm. is so interesting, and I wish I could pull it up here real quick, but mm-hmm. it, it, it gives the example Mm-hmm. Of a husband and a wife, and the husband and the wife both were working when mm-hmm. they first got married. Right. The wife put into her four hundred one k, but the husband did not. Yeah. Because his wife, to the wife was. Yeah. So for the first ten years, yeah, the husband did and the wife did. Uh-huh. She quit working out after ten years. Yeah. But at the end of forty five years, yeah, who do you think had the most? And he started at right. that time, right? Who do you think had the most? In the, oh, she did, of course. Just yeah. as a yeah, just she saved ten thousand uh-huh. dollars, and he's been putting in all these years. Yeah. But hers, because of compounding, right, had uh, earned more. People just don't realize it's it's like, yeah, magic or something. Yeah, if they'll if they'll keep that five thousand bucks and invest it when they're twenty five, exactly what it right. what it is when they're sixty five or seventy is unbelievable. That's right. right. So when I talk to people that are in the ministry or on the mission field. Uh I always give them this book, and Uh I always point out the amortization page Uh and the compounding page, okay? (laughs) Great, yeah. And then, quite frankly, a lot of times, I'll require (laughs) the people that are going on the mission field that have asked for support to read this book. Oh, yeah. And sometimes I even do it with them. Yeah. And it's... it's, uh, that's great stuff. It's a help. Yeah, amen. Uh, 
Well, we've kind of we've kind of been answering this, but uh, maybe we'll go a little further. If someone's hearing this interview and wants to know how to delve further into this and do more studies, you've recommended these three books here. Anything else you want to mention? Well, I, I could just tell you the website that this is on. Yeah. That you can get all these these books and so forth is mm. Compass. Mm -hmm. The uh, one mm -hmm. Compass One mm -hmm. dot org, I think. Compass, Compass One dot org. Yeah. And uh, so, is it C O M P A S S? The numeral one. Numeral one dot org. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, and now we're going to have Howard Dayton on here. But uh, anything else you'd like to tell us about his ministry and why you support it so strongly? Well, uh, I've watched it for years and years. And, of course, when at age 36, when I was telling you, mm -hmm. and I, and I um, came to the Lord, and I wanted to know what it meant to be a Christian businessman. Right. And I knew that I was loaded with debt. I mean, I was up to here with debt. Mm. And what's funny about it is the community gives you awards for building things, going in debt and building things, yeah. going in debt and doing this business, going in debt and doing this. Uh, they so, reward you for that. So I was winning uh, awards at the Chamber of Commerce, right? Yeah. And different things. And so was my wife because she was working in the real estate field. Mm -hmm. But I was loaded with that. Yeah. And I even got the Entrepreneur of the Year, right, one year. And every year after that, I'd, you know, I'd be the one handing the award over to the new person. Yeah. And I'd say, how much debt you got? And most of the time they said, oh, man, I'm loaded, you know, because it's just uh, that's the way the society does it. Mm -hmm. But when I uh, read the Bible through, yeah. I realized what the Lord said about debt, what yeah. he said about pride, humility, mm -hmm. and so forth. And so I had a lot of changes to make. Yeah. So I started... Uh, chiseling away yeah. uh, at the debt. Good stuff. Well, uh, I am Sam Waldron. I'm the president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. And uh, we would like you to learn more about the seminary and hear more uh, about this whole matter of financial stewardship. You can find us at cbtseminary.org, cbtseminary.org. And thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Weekly Discourse. If you've been blessed by this week's discourse, please consider subscribing to the Man of God Network so that you can continue to be blessed with resources like these. If you'd like to learn more about Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, visit us at cbtseminary.org.